I thought we were going to start with that. I liked that. Oh, you want me to do a little spring theme? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we just had the equinox. Good morning, my love. The skies are looking bright today. Can I kiss you on the boob? Like I did yesterday. Oh, boom, 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 boom. You let me in. Boom, doom, 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 doom. You let me sin. Boom, 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 boom. You made me cry. Boom, 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 boom. You got me high. <laughs> you didn't want to help at all? You just let me fucking do that? I loved it. Yeah. Welcome to spring. Welcome to spring. That was spring theme by Ween as performed by Shango. <laughs> because we can't use the real song without getting copyright infringements and getting ourselves demonetized. That was a little, That was really close. They might still... Yeah, that was, it was really close. Yeah, it was eerily close to the original. <laughs> <laughs> that's off the album Pure Guava. I think that's my favorite album. Yeah. In general. Oh, yeah, sure. In, In general. general. Yeah. Hmm. It's pretty, it's, uh, it's pretty perfect. And it was a major label debut. Listen to Pure Guava by Ween and then tell me what the fuck whoever was that signed them was <laughs> thinking <laughs> and what they were thinking when they delivered that. And then they had a hit off of it, Push the Little Daisies. They're true fuckers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. So what happened with Push the Little Daisies? That was like a big hit in Australia, particularly. Yeah. The Australians loved it. And then Beavis and Butthead loved it. I'll be honest. It's like one of my least favorite Ween songs. It's not least favorite, but I'm like, if I were to like order my Ween favorite songs, like it wouldn't be high it's on the list. It's not high on the list. Mm. They're all my favorite when I'm listening to them. I guess I could like, like yeah. When that song clicks on, I'm like, damn, this is such a fucking hit. I think when I heard it, I was just like, this is the one that's the most popular. Like, there's so many better <laughs> songs. We're digging into one of uh, Ween's biggest inspirations, the Butthole Surfers. Going deep. Going deep on those Butthole Surfers. <laughs> or they're taking us far out. I'm not sure what to say about it. Yeah, yeah. Either you're really good at faking it, or you actually like them. Oh, no, I actually like them. Yeah, I don't think you would fake liking a band for me. I don't think if I did, I, I don't think... I think you'd be able to tell if I was faking liking something. Yeah. Yeah, you would just leave. I don't know, because I get, like, itchy or edgy when something's not in resonance, you know? Yeah. But we watched that documentary, documentary, Yeah. Um, that was, like, a bunch, it was, like, interviews with them and footage of them performing. And yeah. It's called A Blind a blind Eye Sees All. Highly recommend. Yeah. Yeah. Show that to your partner and see if you guys can <laughs> fucking vibe. <laughs> No, it's one of those things where I, I clicked on it and I was like, this is going to be too much. It's going to overpopulate my senses, like, let alone Cass. I doubt we'll watch this together, but like, God, I fucking love this band. And like, here's a show of theirs from 1985. Like, let's peep it. It was so and good. we were addicted. Yeah. And I mean, the, the lead singer is like a fucking whack job and they're yeah. all on acid and talking nonsense like their music is, like truly living who they are. Yeah. And... It's just a trip, and you kind of got to go along for the ride. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know when I realized that I like my senses being overpopulated, like mm. consensually. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. if sometimes you go to a bar and you're like, whoa, this is overpopulating my senses, and, like, I did not want to hear uh, Barbie Girl from Aqua, like... Yeah. Like, we went to a bar the other night, and it was just... 
oh my god they were skipping good songs they were skipping to get like to weezer to yeah. get to aqua and i was like what is going on here yeah. i think the bartenders were on coke yeah um, oh yeah definitely i mean i could see what was going on you know? and they were my age which was kind of perfect i think because i was like okay there was like a little trip down memory lane but it's like the dark side <laughs> the trip down memory lane was like uh it, it wore off pretty quick I was like, all right, come on, let's switch this up. And I tried to hijack the jukebox because I know some moves, I, you know. What are the moves? Well, the moves are if they have one of those touch tune things, you have to go to the Grateful Dead album without a net and they play Help on the Way, Slipknot, Franklin's as one track. Yeah. So it's like a 25-minute track. I know a bunch of tracks like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a, it's a, we did it at the bowling alley the other day. We went bowling and I just took over the music for the whole bowling alley. That made it really pleasurable. Right? It was yeah, fun. It's, so what is that about, like, liking your pop senses overpopulated, but, like, and I guess just in a good way? It's like hypnosis. You have to trust the people that are going to do it. Right. You know, like, I think some people would go see, like, uh, like Jeff the Brotherhood. We were just talking about, we saw them live, one mm-hmm. of our favorite bands. It's two brothers. And uh, they came, one of the times we saw them, they came out and, like, literally just played the same, like, hypnotic riff. It was, like a, it was like a boom, boom, drum beat with like a guitar, like very simple, just like very simple, stripped down. And, you know, they came out, they didn't say anything to the crowd and they just played the same riff for 20 minutes. It cle- it was really tight in there and it cleared out like yeah. half the people. Yeah, I was exactly. like, thank yeah, God. Yeah. The only the real ones hung out for that one. The ones that fell under the spell. Yeah. But then you were really under it. Yeah. You're hooked for life. Yeah. There is this space you can get to where your senses are overpopulated where you like a lot of times when seeing live music like you can kind of go on a journey and it's almost like therapy think about a lot of things but then sometimes Mm. it's like uh just completely strips you of any thoughts yeah yeah and that's kind of what you're going for i mean the the vast majority of the shows i've been to have been that they're like very loud oversold chaotic and like punk or hardcore music so where people are fucking like you literally have to protect yourself so that you know not only are your senses overpopulated by the by what's coming on on stage and the music being way too loud and the mix being fucked up and everything but people are being like violent and you just have to like let go and let god and just do your thing Yeah, yeah, it used to be cute getting in there when I was younger, but I'm like not about it anymore. Yeah. yeah. Try to stand behind some bodyguard or whatever, yeah. some security guard. <laughs> the first time that you ever really got in the pit was at a choking victim show. Yeah, your cousin Jesse put put me up and yeah. I body surfed or whatever yeah. they call it, crowd surf. You didn't even ask to. He just got up behind you and just threw you off. <laughs> <laughs> it was an initiation. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. You were totally down. It's weird because I wouldn't have taken you as a punker. Or somebody that would be into um, loud, aggressive music, you know? Because you look like a sweet little bunny to me. That's what I needed, though. Talk yeah. about needing balance in your life, you know? Yeah. That's, you probably, if you're like, look a little bright, you need, like, dark music or vice versa. Some people aren't, are just like, look dark and like dark music or look bright and like bright music, but. Yeah. I asked that to Mare once when we first met her. Yeah. I was like, oh. Can I like? Can I get as objective an opinion as you could get? Like, if you saw me, what kind of music would you think I'm into? She said, "I, I would think you're a deadhead," and I was like, "What the fuck am I doing wrong? What? What do you mean?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, see, I thought you would have liked real estate. No, oh, God just damn. I'm just kidding. <laughs> see, that's one of those bands like I didn't even have an opinion about until you did, and then you were like, "This is the." 
lamest shit on earth. It just doesn't resonate with me for whatever yeah. reason. And I was like, yeah. You, it, they're they're kind of like that band um, Vampire Weekend. Oh, yeah. It's just like. Can't do it. Just vomit inducing. Just like twee like. Mm. Yeah, there's like a tone of voice or something. Yeah. Like there's a put on like that. It kind of got old in the 90s, you know, though. Oh, like I get. <laughs> <laughs> but now like it's been like far enough that it's like kind of charming. Yeah. Yeah. But there was a while where I was like, I'm kind of over this sound. Yeah. It dates things really in particular into time and place. Mm. Well, I, you know what, what song from 1990 I have stuck in my head? No. God is watching us from a distance. You keep singing this one and I have no idea what you're talking you about. You don't listen to Bette Midler's album from 1990? No. With that hit song? Mm-mm. It's called From a Distance. So who does this one? What if God was one of us? Joan Osborne. You kidding me? Oh, really? Yeah. Who's Joan Osborne? I don't know. Some <laughs> singer like that, I'm sure, because of when that song came out, that, that, you know, paid for her life. Probably still does. A one-hit wonder? Yeah. Eh, nothing to be ashamed about. That's a good one. So it's, it's better to have one hit than none. Is it? Hmm. I don't know. Is it? That's actually a good question. Is it better to have one hit than none? Because one hit will change your life, but everyone will be like wanting you to sing that one yeah. hit for the yeah. rest of your life. And then you get in a predicament like Smash Mouth where he's going around sing- having to sing All Star at like county fairs. People are throwing bread at him and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like Radiohead, like being so self-serious and like pissed off about people wanting to play Creep. It's like, dude, like people aren't as fucking artsy as you or whatever. They know that that, that was their introduction to your band. Like, play the fucking song, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, I wonder. I think if you fancy yourself like a, a professional musician and, you know, really making a go at this, I could see how it could be a torturous thing. Yeah, you can't get out, out under from under the shadow. Yeah. And like... Every song you probably do like doesn't live up or everyone's like, oh, well, you know, it's kind of, I wish it was like this. And then if you make it too much like it, it seems like you're copying yourself. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot of pressure too. like the band Thin Lizzy. Their first hit was, a, uh, it was a cover, um, called Whiskey in the Jar. It's an, that's an old Irish folk song. Um, and they just made a rock and roll version of it and it became their like go-to song. And I think because, uh, you know, the, the lead singer, Phil Lynott, because he was uh, like writing a bunch of other songs and having so many originals, he was kind of like a little bitter that like the one that broke through was like a cover of an of a traditional Irish folk song. But then he got the boys back in town, baby. They have so many good songs. Well, the hits started flowing after that, probably partly because this motherfucker was like, "No, fuck this! I'm not becoming known for this one song. I'm not going to be singing this one song." You know what I think life. of, and I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I just gonna be a shit talker. Who cares? Yeah, whatever. I don't think people are gonna get that offended about me not liking this band. Um, but like Old Crow Medicine Show, which we like to call Old Crow Medicine Bro. Old Bro Medicine Bro. Old Bro Medicine Bro. <laughs> They have that one song that's like a hit, you know, the wagon wheel song. Bob Dylan wrote that. And then Bob, but Bob Dylan wrote it. Bob so you're, Dylan. And then you go to their show and you're like, wow, that song's a hit. And they have to play it like twice because all their other songs are like. Oh, I mean, that's what Seal lame. does with Kiss from a Rose. You go to a Seal show <laughs> and he starts with it right in the middle and then 
a nice encore of Kiss from the Rose. This is smart. It is smart. Yeah. Give the people what they want. If you give the people what they want, they're going to come back for more. So you might as well give them what they want. But that's the whole, that's the, that's the tough thing as, as an artist. Like, uh, like we were up at Noah's the other day and his dad was like, you know, he knows our films and stuff. It's cool. We were chilling with Noah's dad. Really cool I dude. I love Noah's we, dad. We love this guy. He's going to be on the podcast. Yeah, he'll be on the podcast. He's definitely out We have there a in lot a more way. in common with him than Noah. Yeah. That's what it really comes down to. It comes to. down to that. I was yeah. like, damn, Noah, you've been hiding your dad all this time. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm not going to go ha- hang out at Noah's without his dad being there. Yeah. <laughs> be like, where's your dad, Noah? We were talking Zappa, the Stones, fucking crazy, you know, directors that I thought no one else even knew about. And he was just asking us about our journey and whatever. And I was telling him about this new project that we're about to have for sale out on the market, family trip. And, uh, you know, I was like thinking about it. I was just like, I don't usually think of stuff that I, uh, I, I, my ideas for our movies and our life and stuff aren't usually like the one hit wonders. Like they're not going to be, they're for us. Like it, it, nobody would, nobody would want to buy this. Nobody would want to have anything to do with this. This can't even be, this couldn't be construed as a project if you tried, you know, a, a product. Um, but, but family trip like feels to me kind of probably how it feels when like Radiohead has creep in their back pocket. Like, I don't know. I like, feel like you've had like seven one hit wonders, but then they, they're not. No, one-hit no, wonders. no, 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 no. Those are on the internet. I'm talking about like getting something on a platform or TV or like someone is hiring us. Someone's paying a lot of money for this. Like, I think all of our movies are hits. Like I think of them all as like my favorite thing I've ever made. Like if I think about any one of them, I think about, oh man, that's my favorite. I had such a good time and it brings back all these memories and everything. But none of them, maybe with the exception of Oxiana, really felt like we were making something um, for someone besides us, you know? Besides like me, you, our editor, Kathy. Oh no, with Family Trip, I want to send it to everyone. I'm like, all right, when can I send this to everyone? And, And what I feel like... As artist, I sacrificed a little bit to make it a little bit more pal- palatable for not, I wouldn't say the lowest common denominator, just the most amount of people. We made some choices and did some things that like are a little different than what I would do in our films. And that's probably a really uh, interesting line to toe as a musician. Making your music accessible. Yeah. And like knowing kind of the formula of like, okay, right now people are liking this kind of vibe or just even like love songs, you know, people want to, people relate so deeply to a love song or a breakup song that you're kind of, if you can hit someone on that emotional plane and they resonate and relate to it, it's like your music's such medicine. And that's, Mm. I kind of just had this wave of love come over me for I was specifically thinking about Taylor Swift for some reason because I think your we sister. Were, no, <laughs> we were um, talking about her with Mary or something. I don't even listen to her really, but she gets a lot of sla- flack, right? She gets flackers. A lot of flackers or whatever. <laughs> but I was thinking about just like imagine the karmic weight of being like m- millions and millions of teenage girls therapist. Uh, but in a way, you know, it's like a one-sided conversation. Yeah. But think about how healing or just moving in and through emotions music can be for that and then imagine being the artist who like helps people like in that journey you must feel it in some way or you must get some like you must feel constricted by it like because it's like she's got to uphold this image of like you know whatever i don't even know what her image is but she's got to uphold it 
like I know that she couldn't put out a song called Wet Ass Pussy. And, and if she did, <laughs> she should. She would change the fabric of the nation. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like Kurt Cobain hated Nevermind, you know? Really? Yeah. He, it, I don't think he hated the songs. I just think he hated the way it was produced and the sound of it. I think it That's sounded gotta really polished. That's got to be so polished. brutal. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it took off. It did change the fabric of the whole world, you know? And he wasn't so psyched about it. Um, the, the production, he just felt it was a little too squeaky clean, a little too radio ready. It wasn't challenging people's ears enough, I think. And then so what he did for the next album in utero was get Steve Albini, who does not fuck around. He, you know. He likes it raw. He likes it raw. He's not, he doesn't do overdubs. He doesn't, you know. And uh, yes, Steve Albini pr- made this their rawest record, their best record. And uh, the hit, the, the singles that they wanted to make into hits, they had someone else mix them to make them more radio. Oh ready. yeah, you mentioned that to me. And you know, on the expanded editions, you can hear Steve Albini's mixes of like Heart Shaped Box and Rape Me, but they had a they had a different producer. I was coming. trying to get you to play those back to back for me so we could tell the difference. I don't think we ever did that. Well, I played the Albini one, and I'm like, I'm not listening to this song again with the shittier mix. <laughs> <laughs> like, just to just to prove something, where inevitably, knowing you after we listened to it the second time, you'd be like, I couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank God for music, though. Honestly. Yeah. It's the best drug, and you can't overdose on it. You know, and no one can slip fentanyl in there. It's just. It's for you, and it's there when you want it, and it's more available than ever before. And the lengths I used to have to go through to track down albums I've never heard before and spend my only money to get an album that hopefully will be good. I'll find out when I get home. Uh, yeah, I was, I was, you know, now it's just like, it's it's insane. I think, you know... Uh, the people we are now, we would seem like AIs to ourselves like just a few decades ago, you know, with the amount with the amount of knowledge we carry around with us and the amount of connections we've been able to make and the amount of access and resources and just connection, we would come off the way AIs coming off to to us now, we would seem like that to like our ancient ancestors or our not too distant ancestors. You know, my grandfather would probably, my dad looks at us like we're aliens. He's like, wow, you know how to use the computer? I'm like, no, it's just my phone. I don't, I don't really even know how to use it either. But like, just think about the fucking power. We're gods right now. Well, bring chat GPT in them to the mix and we pretty much are. Yeah. Um. I mean, that's going to, I mean, life is going to change so dramatically, drastically, like in weeks right now. Yeah. I mean, talking to a friend last night or yesterday, and she was like, yeah, I mean, like all my coworkers are using ChatGPT to write their emails. Yeah. No brainer. No brainer. They'd be dumb not to. Yeah, it takes time to like formulate stuff in a proper way. Yeah. I mean, South Park has been killing it this season. Oh, yeah. And they did an episode where... (laughs) um, I guess Stan uses ChatGPT. Oh, yeah, to be better at texting his girlfriend. Oh, my 
and all the girls are just so in love they're so in love and they're just like with all their boyfriends who are texting them just like copying and pasting their response and saying do it in uh, the text reply to this and then yeah. copying pasting and sending back and it, it really is funny mm. um where we're headed like if you said to me the other day you were like the best thing we could do probably is invest in chat GPT because if we don't chat BT, GPT plus like, well, we pay the $20 a month and just learn how to use this fucking thing. Cause if we don't, you could really get left behind very quickly. Uh, that's kind of what I'm predicting is I'm, I'm predicting like, uh, you know, imagine, um, just getting a cell phone for the first time in your life now and you've never used one. Like you would be really behind the eight ball in life in a lot of ways. You know. I mean, I think it's pretty user friendly and I think that's kind of the idea. But to know that like, oh, I could design a website now j with just to figure out, well, you know, what can this do for me? How can I work with this? How can this improve my life? How can this give me more free time? I think that's the way we it's like having thinking. a car. Yeah, it's like you can get point to point A to po from point A to point B, you know, in an hour or three mm. days. Yeah. And know? the invention of the car changed the world. Mm hmm. Like. Little things like that. You never know when the next thing that's going to change the world is going to come out. You know, like a small thing that I thought about the other day that changed the world that happened in my lifetime? Caller ID. You used to not know who the fuck was calling you. <laughs> the phone in the house would ring and somebody would pick it up. And if it was the person you wanted to talk to least in the world, that that's that. You have to talk to them. <laughs> you know? Like... When when caller ID comes, it starts to make us have a, practice a little bit more discernment about things. And then there's judgment. And then there's people we won't talk to entirely. And then it becomes, now it's evolved to the place where it's fucking completely rude to call somebody. I know. I feel bad about it. <laughs> you know? I call someone and then I they don't answer. And I'm like, that was really rude of me to call them. Yeah, you're like, oh, is Gosh, there any way I can delete the missed call from their phone? And then I have to send them a text like, hey, sorry, I was just calling you just in the, <laughs> the off chance that you were free to talk about this thing. But we can totally email about it. You don't have to respond anytime soon. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the, you know, the, 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 the coming AI revolution, which is, which is very interesting. And we'll have to talk to Mayor about this. But I think we're in an astrological alignment that's, the last time it happened was the American Revolution. And, you know, it... it well, Pluto. Our yeah. Pluto return. Yeah. I think I think AI is, uh, is the thing. It's the new revolution. It's the thing that's going to kind of render a lot of things and people and jobs. You know, not people, but jobs obsolete. Well, you, you, know? you were making me lose my mind thinking about how you're like, oh, well, there's like AI only fans now. Yeah. And I'm like, of course there is. There's going to be AI music and there's going to be AI art. But there's going to be someone kind of needing to man that saying, make it like this, like this, you know. Of course. Well, this is what I'm saying. As as artists, let's figure out how to use this new paintbrush that got invented. You know. Chat GPT documentaries of fake people. Oh, I've already thought of ways that we could incorporate this into our filmmaking life. I'm not, I'm not ready to speak about them yet. I got to I know when you were talking about the having a name for a movie come first, I like was I'm like on the edge of my seat wanting to say the movie we've been Oh, do you want to talk about this? Well, uh, the mayor came up with it. Really? I yeah. mean, she's the one that that spoke it into existence, but we were just walking around the LES the other night. We were don't walking. steal our idea. Yeah, don't steal this idea, but we were just walking around the Lower East Side the other night with Mowgli just chilling. And we popped in the bodega to get our classic cookies. And Mayor goes, Bodega Nights. And I'm like, that's that's a movie. That's our next movie. <laughs> we'll oh we'll, we'll just hang around the bodegas of like uh, 
of of Bushwick and Williamsburg, and we'll just go around Brooklyn Anywhere. and Queens. Yeah, Brooklyn and Queens. Yeah, and the Bronx. We could really just make the rounds. Brooklyn, Queens, Bronx, and Staten, from the Battery to the top of Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, imagine, like, a Florida man-esque approach to just being in bodegas. and Just like, watching people come in and out, like, all yeah. whatever, just in the middle of the night, you know, early exactly. in the morning. Talking kinda. to people about what they're doing, what they're getting, why they're there, the, you know, the cashiers, the people making sandwiches, that kind of stuff. Like, it could, be, it could capture so many vibes. Yeah. And honestly, it's kind of a miracle that bodegas still exist. They won't for long. Yeah, like you already see, there's none in Williamsburg. There's pretty much none in Greenpoint anymore. So it's like, yeah. they are not when when like exist for the falafel longer. shop, the tiny ass falafel shop, when you get off the L stop in Brooklyn, right outside the train closes. It's bad news for all the bodegas and all those types of like you know, people with like a little taco shop or whatever. Like all that stuff is just becoming corporatized. It's well, sad. I'm, yeah, I'm surprised. Honestly, Seven Eleven hasn't taken over more. Um, but that's also the direction we're going, where it's like, oh, it's every bodega is a Seven Eleven bodega, which isn't even a bodega, whatever. That's what, that, that, yeah, it's going to be like, it'll be like that. Seven Eleven presents bodega. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that word is, and I don't think anyone calls it that outside of New York City. Really? I don't think so. I, I, I have no idea what that word is, but I love it. It's a good one. It's kind of like Talladega Nights meets Boogie Nights, but as a documentary <laughs> about, uh, you know, uh, the creatures that creep. Oh, man. We'll have to follow some people home, maybe. Some, you know. That is, that is interesting. People just creeping out after a sex party. and. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I, and I think it's an easy one to make, too. It's like, let's just live down in the city for a month or two and just skew our schedules just completely flip our schedules yeah we'll night shift it yeah joey can go do his his comedy he can do the open mics when he's done with the open mics it's like now's our time to shoot we're gonna shoot from midnight till four in the morning yeah yeah but this is how um this is actually a little bit of like this is our process yeah it's kind of crazy you know it seems um like, I used to be a little bit more, like, superstitious about it. I hear some, because I listen to a lot of comedians' podcasts, and I hear them be like that. Like, people are like, how do you write jokes? And they're like, oh, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it. I just, I'm, I'm inspired. I don't know. I, I don't know how it happens. Um, but, yeah, this is usually how it happens. You think of a you think of a title, and you're like, what would the vibe, what 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 is that title, like, what does that vibrate? And then you kind of pick up on that that frequency. I mean, to do a movie that's just all shot at night, too. Yeah. Have, we, have we done that? No. Florida Man and Black Bike Week, we had, like, night shots and stuff, but it wasn't all at night. Yeah. Yeah, I would love it. Bodega Nights, that feels like a summer movie. But also, it really helps us do wild magic. Like, I feel yeah, like we that's always that's another part need, of our process. We always need to know what the next one is. Yeah. And kind of be, like, creatively seduced. Like, we're seducing ourselves with the future mm -hmm. so you kind of got to like see it through that's a great way of putting it it's self-seduction yeah it's you know because when i don't have the self-seduction mechanism and my future is like a little bit blank like i just got to finish this thing and then we have nothing to do and you want to drag it out i get depressed but you also are like oh i can't because if you can't see the future you get a little attached then you're like or kind of cling to what you're doing because you don't know who you don't know who you will be on the other side of doing this thing. So 
there's like a death that could happen mm-hmm. if you don't look one step for ahead. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you might self-sabotage to stay in the process of that one project because when you finish that project, there's a death that happens. Of mm-hmm. who are I, who am I? Oh, I thought I was a a filmmaker, but I'm not making films after this, so I have to just keep being in this yeah. process of making this film. Yeah. Thank God that like I think both of us, yeah, both of us decided that we were going to be filmmakers before the iPhone existed. Why do you say thank God? I think kind of like what I was saying about the car or caller ID, like these things like kind of shift who we are Mm -hmm. as people and our thinking and stuff. And I think that there was just a level of um, boredom, I guess, in, in my life. Like boredom is it can be a really positive thing. We 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 com- immediately crush those feelings now when they come up. I think we associate it with something negative or emptiness or whatever. But I needed to have like boredom and emptiness and quiet and like nothing to immediately be able to turn my attention to. And it allowed me to be a person with like a more active imagination about like what I wanted to see on screen. And I think had I just had I come up now with the utter amount of distractions, I'd think I would just diagnose myself with ADD and just be like, yeah, no, I have a problem. I don't, you know, and I think I wouldn't have ever gotten to the place of, uh, of just like tasting the ultimate antidote for boredom, which is like having visions of future projects swirling around. Well, also being comfortable in the boredom. Like I've been so bad at this lately, but like sitting in the stillness of like, okay, yeah, I want to look at my phone and, see what could make me laugh on TikTok or whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I think that's that's a good reminder that I need to remind myself of. Is like, yeah, the boredom might be uncomfortable, but following the discomfort is, like, that's where you can yeah. kind of have a little clarity of, like, all right, yeah, I don't know immediately because I've just been in a consumption loop and scroll hole. Like, I don't know exactly what book I want to read or what I want to draw, but give me some spaciousness and something will fill that gap. Yeah. And it's, and it's, uh, it, it, it's kind of like it, but it's not meditation because meditation is almost a separate thing. That's just like, uh, that's a digestive process for right. me. Like, it's like, Oh, I, I have to meditate twice a day. Like first thing in the morning to digest whatever the hell went on last night in my sleep. And then about eight hours later to reset and digest what I've already had. But the, the boredom is, is a different, it's like a different vibe. You know, I sometimes get embarrassed, like you'll come out there, like, cause you have your own little room now and we welcome to my little room. <laughs> yeah. But you, you'll come out there and I'm like not doing anything. I'm like, Oh, it probably just seems like I was just sitting here. I was just sitting here. I don't even know what I was thinking about or doing, but I think it's valuable. I think oh, well, it's valuable. Not a lot of people afford themselves that. I'm never judging you. I hope you no, know, I know that. I know you're so good to me. I think we've been together long enough too that like. Even if I do notice you looking at your phone or Twitter a lot, like I used to be like wanting to give you a hard time as I'm sure you've wanted to give me a hard time about it, but also kind of just like Sean's medicating in some way, yeah. you know, he's going in and through something, but also who am I to judge? He might be getting something out of that experience. And like we, I just, I have to police myself. The last thing I want to do is police you. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it, it, yeah, it's, it's partly like, I feel like when we were, it's partly like. I think every person needs built-in time to not be a person, you know? And we're around each other so much. I remember the the first, like, few months, maybe a year of us living together, I would really struggle with, like, 
oh, I don't have something lined up for, you know, to keep us entertained or keep, you know. You still kind of freak out I, sometimes. I do. I, I, cause I want it, I want there to be a vibe. I don't want it to just be like, uh, whatever, because like, like I'm saying, I don't know. I don't know if other people can relate with that, but like, I need time in my life to just like not be a person. Like no one's, no one needs anything from me, but like beyond that, like no one's even looking at me. No one's acknowledging me. Like I, I just need that. Yeah. No one's asking you what, what are we going to watch tonight? Or like, the, cause that's what I've said to you sometimes. I'm like, when I don't have a clue, I'm like, what do you think we're going to watch tonight? But you take it as like pressure and you're like, well, I don't fucking know. It, well, it, it, t- that's now I'm like, okay, I'm going to channel my creativity into that. Like I'm, I'm going off the path of like, who knows into like, oh, we need to watch something. So let me, let me think about what that should be and what the vibe should feel like when we're watching it and base whatever we picked off off that i think it's really important to like what i've really come to value is like the diversity like okay one night we watch something one night we listen to music yeah one night we draw one night we just fucking do our own thing and i listen to youtube tarot pulls and you do what what you're doing sometimes i don't know like i'm just thinking of the most mindless thing i do which is like listen to someone talk about my next month future, you know, mm. and then we try to reflect on like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think with that, I think when we're like, Hey, let's not just, cause when you get into a loop of like every night watching TV, Oh I, yeah. Or oh, doing yeah. the same thing every night. Well, you're the one that tipped me off to like not turning on the TV to start the day. Well, Cause, yeah, because I mean, you're that's, like that's just sets you in a in a direction, and I'm like, wow, I never really thought about that. It's just like because of how I grew up, it's just like the habit. Like you wake up, you, you know, make breakfast and turn on the TV, see what's going on. I think I'm such an addict, or to, yeah. like I have an addiction problem that like if I get in a consumption loop with television, like where I'm just like watching something, I I can't have a thought. I'm just I'm consuming, not creating. Mm-hmm. Well, this is when you have to remember the Bette Midler song. God is watching us from a distance, but God is watching us. <laughs> so you keep that in mind and you're like, let me put on a little show here. Let me add some razzle dazzle to my life. <laughs> I guess I'll make films. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We got to give God a little razzle dazzle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. God gave us some razzle dazzle yesterday. This is a, it's, I don't know. Maybe we'll tell this story and it doesn't blow anyone's mind. But for me, it was like a jaw dropping moment. So I think we talked about it on the podcast a few months ago. We went hiking and it was just me and you. And we were going for like a speed run. We were like, let's see how fast we could do this three hour hike. Like maybe we could do it in two hours. So we're like, boom, 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 boom. We get to the top of this tough ass fucking hike. And there's two sisters up there and one of them has a broken ankle. And she's like, I broke my ankle. And like people are just going past these people who are like suffering. And so we're, we were going to be one of those people. And we got a little past them. And we're like, God, we can't do it. We got to help them. So we go back and we figured out like, okay, we'll stabilize your ankle. And then we'll like, we carried the girl to a better place, like less rocks or whatever. And we just couldn't figure out what to do. So we, you and I ran to the bottom of the mountain and called for help. And we were in touch with them the whole time. And they ended up like getting saved and it was awesome. And they texted like, thank you guys so much. It helped whatever yesterday. So that was months ago on a, on a hike called bull hill. Yesterday, we were on a totally different hike, totally different mountain called Anthony's Nose. And we're about to get to the top, and we're just boogieing. And, and I can I, I see a girl, like, walking towards us. I'm like, she looks familiar. But I'm like, I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm on acid, too. Everyone seems familiar because I was on acid yesterday when we were hiking. Everybody seems familiar when I'm on acid. 
So I'm like, oh, she looks familiar, and I, I, I don't pay attention. And then I'm listening to what she's saying. She's telling the story. It's the girl that we saved. She's telling the story of us saving her as we're walking past She's her. like, I was going to maybe have to get like a... A helicopter, but they there's no helicopter. There's no way for... It's so expensive. Yeah. And like, she's saying this, and like, I like, I don't even say anything. I just turn around, and you heard the same thing, and we were both like, oh... And she just like went into the distance and I was like, whoa, that was a wild synchronicity. Like, what are the fucking odds? Well, I'm certain that I was the one who was like, you should go on Anthony's nose. Yeah. That when we were saving them, we're like, hey, if you ever do want to hike again, there's some other ones around here a little easier or whatever. But what are the odds that we would ever see that girl again? Let alone, I, cause I, would, I wouldn't have known it was her unless she was telling that story. She's on this long-ass hike with, with her friend, and that's the moment she was telling the story when we were walking past her. It was insane. That, like, to me, I was just like, I don't, know how, I, don't, I don't know how to process this. Like, you know, your, your average little synchronicities, I'm like, I'm like, oh, cool little angel wink, this and that. That one is like, are we inextricably linked to this girl and her family? Like, do we, Yeah, I can't w- wait to see her next time. Yeah. I'm going to just always have my eye out for her. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, maybe it's just a reminder to uh, help people. I don't know. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Definitely always want to help when you can. Mm. Yeah, that that was a, I don't know if that affected you, but. Uh, yeah, it's one of those, exactly like you're saying, like sometimes things are just so weird that you can't really process them. So like when I, th- when I think about it, I'm like, whoa, that was crazy, but I can't integrate it into like reality. Yeah. Because yeah. there's like, it feels like so unexplainable or so crazy or so random or so synchronistic that I'm like, okay, life is magic. Just that's a cosmic wink of a reminder that life's a magic. Yeah. But integrating it past that into like, what is the deeper meaning? I'm, I just am like, my my circuits overload or something. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I, uh, you know, like the only thing, the only way I can interpret it is um, I had a rough week, like mental health wise. I was just like, that's why we didn't do a podcast last week. I was just like all over the place and just not feeling like I had anything to offer. And like the second that I made a conscious effort, like, dude, you got to pull yourself out of this. Like, just, just stop, stop. I started getting hit with them. And that was the biggest one. But the second, like, I pulled myself out of it. You went off to have a girls' night, and my home girl Julie, hit me up. Like, I, she didn't even know I was having a hard time. She was just like, come on, let's go hang out. You're taking me on a date. I was like, all right, we'll go out. And the second we got together, she's saying stuff that I was saying that day, and, like, just little things. It was just, it was freaking me out. Songs were coming on. Like, the, we get to the bar, and, like, I was listening to Smashing Pumpkin's Siamese Dream on the way over to the bar. And went into the bar and Siamese Dream was playing by Smashing Pumpkins. You didn't even tell me that. It was it was it was just like little stuff. I was like, oh cool, because like, like you know, going around talking about every little synchronicity you have is like going around like telling your, your dreams. dreams yeah. You know what I mean? It's like it's very well, personal. Well, then here we are. Hi, thanks for listening to our yeah, synchronicities. But, yeah, but at the same time, I do find it to be interesting, and I do like when people uh, can remember their dreams and tell something, tell me something about them, because I don't. <laughs> Yeah, so I I do think it's like the universe saying like, hey, if you're making the conscious effort to uh, to to pull yourself out of the shit, I'll th- I'll show you a little magic, and it's just literally the the mindset we need to get into to make our next movie. So I just got to go with the flow, and uh, I I can easily fall into like judgment, self pity, and all that. That shit. was what felt really tragic about you be- having such a hard time last week, because it feels like everything stops. Yeah. Like our momentum, everything is like, oh shit. Yeah, I'm very sensitive. I uh 
and and very i guess impactful too like i feel like i'm not being impactful when i'm like that i'm like i'm not bothering anybody i'm just like not saying or doing anything like i'm just staring at a wall because i'm depressed i literally can't do anything when you can't do anything yeah it kind of just puts me in that mode and maybe that's just because we're very like interconnected but i just i feel like my life's on hold yeah because like my life is so revolved around you mm-hmm. and what we're doing together and all that stuff that yeah it's like what i'm gonna keep producing a movie that sean doesn't even want to think about you know like i just needed a second to not be a person i guess like i was saying i didn't even put two and two together when i was saying that before but i guess that's all it was it's just like like i needed to invite like some like not even the calm before the storm of making the movie like the nothingness like i just needed to just like sit in the the void you know, it's just kind of crazy before I start creating a new universe. It's kind of crazy because your dad's been depressed, too. I think it's contagious. OK, I, yeah. I, I think I was when wondering it, if you would think when it comes to contagious. close family members, like seeing my dad, the shape he was in and like see him lose like 10 or 15 pounds in a week and not be able to get out of bed or take a shower or do anything. And he's normally the complete opposite. Like we're all like. We're cheering him on and trying to make him feel better and being more sensitive to him and everything. And just, I don't know, I just somehow hit my wits end and I just got pulled into it myself. Yeah. Yeah. And outside factors, like some stuff that, that stressed me out, but um, nothing that's, you know, worth holding on to. Nothing is worth holding on to, especially the stuff that's uh, bringing you down into the dumps. And it's such a fucking hard thing. As a person that just went through it, it's such a hard thing to to pull yourself out of, but really really helps if you can somehow move your body because that then starts to bring all the other stuff because when i'm like that i'm not i i don't want to sleep i don't want to eat i don't want to go anywhere i don't want to exercise i don't want to have sex i don't want to talk you know yeah it sucks (laughs) (laughs) you've never felt like that yeah sure I mean, you don't have to. I mean, I don't. It's a blessing if you haven't felt like that. But. Yeah, just it usually doesn't hasn't lasted that long. Luckily. Yeah, yeah. For me, it usually doesn't last that long either. But like, if it's something involving like an outside factor or another person or whatever, it can because I'll I'll get in the, the headspace of like, I need to hear an apology or an, I need to know that that's not going to happen again. Like, I I just have this like crazy self protection mechanism that's just like it's basically me trying to control something. And, uh, yeah, it's just like the worst tug of war you can imagine. And it, and it's like, it's not even very intellectual. It's not like, oh, I'm flooded with all these thoughts and I'm having arguments in my head. And like, I, that happens to a certain degree, but it's just mainly just like a void of, of anything, of, of the motivation to do what I know I have to do every day to keep my mental health in, in order. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then... You go a couple days without your good habits and then bad habits start replacing them. And you're like medicating. And uh, yeah, it's a fucked up cycle. I think a lot of people can relate with it. Maybe not necessarily you all the time, but that's good. Like you definitely have one of the most positive, happy dispositions naturally of anyone I know. I have other afflictions than depression and like, I've you know, anxiety, fear, that sort of stuff. I mean, it kind of different different ways of relating manifest in different people i think mm-hmm. um yeah no i think i think certain times a year can be tough for people i think you know that's the other thing i take for granted i forget well that's what immediately what i thought of when you and your dad are both having a hard time i'm like there's really no cool like i don't know yeah this is uh t- 
today is the 17th anniversary of my little sister, Erin Patricia, passing away. And, uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't really treat that the way that my rest of my family does, like, in terms of, like, still focusing it on, on it as, like, a tragedy or, like, the loss or, like, how it affected us or anything like that. I'm just like, Erin's a spirit now. Like, she did her work here, and um, she, now she's been gone longer than, she's been, than she was here. And I think the best way to honor her is by not being sad and down in the dumps about it. But it's, it, it can easily get to you because it's one of those things that it just, like, when you think about it for a second, it just it makes life so scary. I also think it's not intellectual. I don't think you and your dad necessarily are like, that's the thing that you're thinking about. I think there is like the body keeps the score. Like the most tragic loss that you've ever experienced was at this time of year. It, on, on this day at this time, exact same weather. Yeah. So there's something like the sense, the smells, the, the, the light, the, the way the trees are, you know, you're not, it's not even an intellectual. It's just like your body went through extreme grief at a certain time and uh consciously or unconsciously that can be triggered i think is what i would yeah, guess yeah. or presume having known other people like my mom who uh, lost my little brother as a like you know he was born Alex. prematurely and this time of year is really hard for her too you same know? time of year like between january and march yeah yeah so it's it's like got to be very gentle with yourself if there's something in your life like that you know and yeah. give yourself a lot of spaciousness and just be mindful mindfulness you know right yeah because it also because it's important to remember those feelings pass because they can probably feel like oh i'm always gonna feel like this yeah um like your dad got really depressed around christmas and he's had a lot of traumatic stuff happen around christmas so mm -hmm. it's like we could be mad at him because it's inconvenient for us that he's depressed at Christmas, but we can also realize, like, okay, yeah, I mean, yeah, being mad at somebody for being depressed is is that's pure insanity. That's throwing fucking fuel on the flames. It's uh, it yeah, it's 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 tough because it can be very frustrating. I I grew up with my dad depressed and self medicating and abusing drugs his whole adult life, so um. It, it, I've definitely been the person that's like, what the fuck? And like mad and like just needing my dad to be my dad, you know? And I'll be so honest. Selfish. I wasn't even that patient with you last week. Like I can say this stuff, but this yeah, week no, I was like, nobody was, I was like, <laughs> nobody was. Cause you're telling bad stories and it's, this is where it gets frustrating is when someone's telling bad stories and they can't see a bigger picture and they're so attached to their story of why everything sucks. It's like, it kind of feels worthless talking to someone who's in that place. You're like, God damn it. Like, I can't even get through to you. Your story sucks until you can recognize that for yourself. Like, I can't help you. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I know. I'm sorry. Like, I <laughs> definitely. Like, I was down to just not say anything. That would have been a good time for, like, just a silent meditation, you know. But since we weren't doing, like, a conscious silent meditation and just one of us is being quiet and the other one is trying to keep our business afloat and the vibe going and the whole thing, like, yeah, I could see why it would be very frustrating. I didn't even try to keep the vibe going. I'm like, oh, well, the vibe sucks. All right. It's here, okay. Here we are in a sucky vibe. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It, it's totally fine. It's like, uh, like it's just like a fucked up in breath that. It also gives you like so much appreciation. Like when we did all, all bond again, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, this is really nice. Yeah. It's it's kind of like the same as uh, like being sick. It like w w 
when you're not sick, you don't think about being sick or how grateful you are that you're not sick. Mm -hmm. But when you're sick, it's the only thing that matters. That's it. Like all the other shit goes down the tubes. It's just like, I physically can't fucking do anything. Like that's your main focus. So yeah, of course, like when you're not depressed, you're not thinking about like, oh, could I be headed towards a, you know, a, a meltdown soon? Could I be headed towards a huge lull in my life? Like you, you're, not, you're not thinking about it, but then when you're in it, you're like, well, you're just buried. Well, isn't there something like about what you were going through or what depression is that almost not being able to see the light at the end of the tunnel, like you can't even consciously process that this is like a temporary state of being? Or did you, were you in it thinking? I like, know it's temporary. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay, good. Having just having gone through it, just uh, having having gone through it for way longer too. Like I've 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 been in that state before for months, and it's for months. Yeah, you've been with me. Oh yeah, that was sucked. Yeah, yeah. When and it's I've just a couple like, times. I'm just like I don't know what to do. Like and 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 I can't stop saying that when I am and like I I'm like I don't know what to do. Well, and the problem when you are in a sucky places you kind of are looking for a fight i'm i'm not looking for anything i'm looking for <laughs> literally like i wish you would just be at your mom's for that week so you didn't have to see me and i think my dad's the same way i think it exacerbates it when like somebody who's not like that is looking at you like yeah i try to what? give your dad a lot of space when he's not feeling good yeah, not yeah to be i think i think a, a part of it is like he, he's humiliated like that he's not presentable mm -hmm. and and um you know i'm the same as him in a lot of ways. Yeah, but then when we do, it, you do interface with someone who's not like in a good place. It can you can quickly turn from like you being mad at someone else to being mad at me. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't, don't even want to yeah. touch touch you with a ten foot pole. Yeah. <laughs> well, that I mean, that's the the downside of being so close to me. <laughs> you are everything and everyone, <laughs> and it's cool because we hold that space for each other. I'm like. Like you do allow me to do it. I'm like, I'm just going to process this through you as if you are the the person I think is, is upsetting me. Mm -hmm. And it does help me get to a better place, I guess, a little bit. Or it, just, it helps me hear how stupid I am. You know, but if you weren't in my life, I would just go through this alone. I would bury the feelings and just move on and do what I had to do. Like what the vast majority of at least Americans are doing. Just grin and bear it. And it's tough. It's it's a really tough thing to do. And it's I I can see why people turn to uh, like a pharma pharmacological intervention in those situations because you cannot imagine how bad it can feel and how desperate it can feel. And that if there's a convenient solution, you would of course love it. For me, the convenient solution is get off your ass and go fucking run, or walk, or get in the sauna. Do a cold shower. Or have the person who wronged you finally apologize, even if you have to beg them to apologize. Yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> yeah, there's that, but it it still doesn't do it. You know what I mean? It it it's one of the factors, but you really ultimately have to forgive yourself and love yourself because it's just it's it's all an inside job. It's just like whatever the outside factor was, the person or the thing or whatever. It's it's not the thing. It's just it was the trigger. It was the straw that broke the camel's back, and I was probably just like unknowingly walking a tightrope and it just got shook and I, I got spooked and I was very defensive. Yeah, because you, you can allow people to change how you see yourself and give your power away and stuff like that very quickly, right? Yeah, for me, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, 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 um, 
more than anything, just care about being a good boyfriend, a good partner. All the other stuff, like I could, I could take or leave, and like I love making films or everything, but like, if I'm not being perceived as a good partner, I can't do anything else. If that makes sense. Um, like you say, you're like you like things tidy. I can't. I I wouldn't try to do a creative thing unless the whole our space was tidy and vacuumed and cleaned and the laundry's done. Like I, I'm very much like that. It's the same thing with uh, psychological stuff. If it's not tidy, you know, you can't you can't just like move on. And I think a lot of people live in relationships <sighs> like this where they have a mess in between them, and it just feel it's gotten just keep sweeping stuff under the rug to the point where there's you're in a mountain. Or a dead bedroom. Like, I could feel how that happens. I never really understood how that happens, and I could feel it the other day. I'm like, oh, if, 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 if both people were participating in the vibe I had, there'd be no way to get this back on track sexually. There'd be no way. Like, literally one of us has to be holding space in the good times. Because when we both fall into into that, I could see how horrible relationships that you're that you won't get out of take place you know yes definitely it's hard to have sexy times when you're depressed too uh yeah yeah close to impossible well but that's what that's why i say like for me it just all starts with moving my body because once i move my body then i'm gonna get hungry (laughs) and once i eat then i'm gonna want some fucking dopamine and i'm gonna want sex and i'm you know and it just it can start you on on the road to recovery little things and it's the last thing anyone struggling with depression or even like what i was going through um wants to hear like go move your body you gotta sweat and it's what i was telling my dad and then i was going through it and then i went like three days without moving my body like the first three days of this whole year it it is kind of perfect how that happens you have like your dad be depressed and you're like come on it's easy just get out and move your body and then you almost like karmically fall into what you had to be compassionate for him yeah. about you know well so you and, can... and, the, and i felt i fall into it and then i realize like whoa what I, what I really need is to like have a conversation with the person that's upsetting me and uh, i'm like I, I don't maybe my dad's going through that and maybe he doesn't have people in his life like you and like Mare who will have the conversation and say, I'm sorry, let's, I want to do better. I, I love you. I respect you. You know, uh, he might not have, have that available to him. A lot of people that are struggling might not have that available to them. I know I didn't. When I, when I first tailspun into this type of shit was when we went through a breakup years ago, like five years ago, not you and I, but with someone else. And, uh, yeah, I just feel like I needed, I just felt like I needed confirmation with them that I wasn't the worst person in the world and they wouldn't offer it. And I was just in a shame chamber, just fucking getting waterboarded with shame. Wages of sin. Wicked pain. Wages of sin. <laughs> Little Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was I just saying before you start singing? That you were in a shame chamber. Yeah. Because you want to be told that you're a good boyfriend. Or a good ex-boyfriend or whatever. I don't even need to be told. I was, I just need to know it's not like, there's not like, uh, 
you're going through your life thinking about me all the time and cursing my name. Like, I, I just, don't, just don't think about me. Like, you don't have to go through, like, cursing my name. But then it's just like, what am I trying to take away from them? Their sovereignty over their fucking also, I think, feelings? Yeah. You know? And sometimes. It's like, you hate me. I get it. Sometimes it helps someone to hate you to move on. And you got to, In like, the past, it always had. There was this one situation, though, that I was just like, no, nah, this ain't right. I put way too much into this to have this person fucking hate me. This is this is embarrassing for all parties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it bothered me. It bothered me really on an intellectual level. And I had to uh, smoke toad, correct course. <laughs> it helped a lot. I smoked toad three times and it did the trick. <laughs> That's a pretty big prescription. Yeah, not even one I would necessarily recommend. But, um, you know, if there's if there's big energy to move in your life you gotta fucking do wild shit maybe that you wouldn't normally do to try to dislodge that fucking stagnant bullshit it's all it all gets balanced out in a way that kind of almost makes me nervous you know yeah yeah it does get balanced out because ultimately i came out of that situation just a much more humble person believe it or not and i needed a a great humbling in my life and I, yeah. I needed an uh, I needed to be at the bottom of a mountain again whether I liked that or not and now I know I love it I'm like okay cool I uh I can do this I I I I can handle myself I don't need external validation to know I'm a good person and I don't know I do from you well, except last week or whatever, you know, it's, and it's like when someone says that you just need a, you're, you're searching and seeking for something that you should be able to find in yourself. It's like, it's so hard because when you I have it for myself and then I'm, I'm frustrated that that person doesn't have it for me. That, yeah. That's what it is. You know, uh, like I have all the context in my head. Like I, I know who I am and, and what I'm doing and what I'm up to when it's being misinterpreted. Um, I lose my mind because I feel like I'm very clear communicator i feel like i'm i'm very clear i use my words clearly and i uh just express what i need and a lot of times to a fault yeah it's like when someone perceives you in a way that is not like in line with where you're at like that can be very uncomfortable yeah because you feel like you're not being heard or seen or misinterpreted for who you are and stuff and then how do you find like alignment within yourself when you feel like you probably had to do stuff to correct course in those relationships and you need the opportunity to say like you need as much as you need to hear I'm sorry you need to say I'm sorry it's like we all need to give what we think we want so Mm -hmm. if you want a sorry from someone you better be the one offering it first yeah Um, I'm pretty good about that stuff yeah no I'm not saying you're not I've I've, since the great humbling I've become (laughs) a lot better about that (laughs) the sorries are on the tip of the tongue well, yeah. Well, I mean, because it, it's also like, um, you know, I, I just, I, I look at my family patterns and I'm like, my mom's unap- un- unapologetic and, and it's kind of badass in a lot of ways, but she is, she is unapologetic and uh, it doesn't work for me. It just doesn't work for me. It never has. I've been that kind of person and I've kind of dug my heels into that side of my personality and it, it just doesn't feel right. It, it definitely doesn't go hand in hand with like being a stoner carrying around a bunch of like righteous like i'm right i know what's up i'm not going to apologize i'm not you know it it does not go hand in hand with uh taking the kind of drugs we take and 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 toad showed me that so i was like 
all right, I'm not going to put that kind of karma out there anymore. I'm going to just try to be more mindful and do better. Yeah. I mean, life is a great humbling. And as you get greatly humbled by life, you realize you don't know what the fuck's going on. And your story is just one distorted version of events that you can't even remember. And yeah. it's completely distorted by wherever you're at at whatever that time. So to think you are the one holding on to the truth is like a ridiculous concept. So it's just like... Well, I think what you just said is like the most uh, liberating thing in in of, of this whole process is just realizing that you don't know what's going on. And, and I, I think that might seem scary to, to some people, especially more controlling types like myself. Like, what do you mean I don't know what's going on? No one wants to be told that they don't know what's going on. But when you realize it for yourself and can apply it to society at whole, it's like a whew, wow, okay. I, I don't have to take this as seriously. I could just take my lessons as they come to me, try to do my best to, to not judge and lash out and be a fucking freak. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's a balance of like wanting to unpack what led to a fight and then also being like, it doesn't even fucking matter. Yeah, that's tough. And, and like that's cause you and I got in a fight about something really small the other day. And you were just like, I said this and then you said this and this is what I was trying to say. And I was like, I know you want to be understood, but like, the details don't matter. Like we just had a fucking flare up at each other. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. You're right. I'm wrong. Whatever. I'm wrong. You're right. Who cares? Um, we can like go in the details, but I'm going to just get into a defensive state because when you're reading me the details, I have my own perception of what happened and why I was the way I was yeah. and why I said the things I said. So we can do this dance, but if you expect me not to defend myself and just take your version of reality like you have something coming for you because and, I, and likewise because like why would i like you like why would i surrender my reality to your reality because you ha have uh, uh are stronger and care more i mean i guess i could do that but i'm that, like that would be my answer to that yeah it's like oh i could i could cling to my reality but clearly cast cares more right now i've hit on something i should adjust around that as opposed to her have to adjust around me. Or maybe neither of us need to adjust and say, hey, we both know that we want to be kind to each other. We love each other. We're not trying to hurt each other. And do we need to really hash through the details more than that? I need to get better at that. I could because I do feel like I need to. <laughs> a, a, a lot of times I'm just like, just because, because that's the self-protection moving forward. Like, hey... I understand we just hit on something that threw me into my worst pattern. Can we just clear up what happened here so that if it happens again, like we can navigate it more clearly? And I'm not saying that's bad. I think that is good space because the more I understand you, the more I can be sensitive to some of your triggers and vice versa and whatever. Yeah. But then there's some times where it's like, this is so stupid because I, I have the worst memory. So like you tell me I said something or did something. I'm like, it didn't sound like that to me. I don't remember, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. We just, we just keep doing better and, and processing the stuff. Keep on keeping on. That's all. That's all you can do. Just keep on keeping on. Keep do your best. Keeping on. Don't cling. <laughs> uh, cool, you want to switch over to the Patreon? Sure thing, babe. We'll keep talking. Get a little more personal. If possible. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we've been watching like some cool movies and stuff, so... We're, the, the Patreon is just going to be a chill sesh. We really deeply appreciate uh, people joining up. And um, it's patreon.com slash churchofchill. There's tons of music shows on there. Um, I think there's like 75 bonus podcasts. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
we've done we've done a lot of extra content on there we keep doing this thing yeah and it's two dollars a month or you could pay more that would really be nice we should have started it at five dollars a month but whatever we love it we love you and we're very grateful <laughs> and anything is awesome it really inspires us yeah. to keep this going um we love being part of a bigger community and have a lot of fun with it yeah leave a comment be sweet to us. Like and subscribe. Smash the subscribe button. Yeah, Cass, now you're getting it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. We'll see you over on the Patreon. Patreon.com slash church at show. Peace, love, and magic, y'all.